You know, it's never too late to wish anybody a happy new year. I know there's lots of rules, but when everyone zigs, I zag. As do our friends at Bet Online who want to wish you a happy new betting year. As we continue our march into the playoffs, onto the Super Bowl and beyond, Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022 and beyond. New year, new updated desktop, mobile website at Bet Online. Sign up today and get that 50% welcome bonus just for being friends with the JT and Looney podcast. Use the promo code BELIEVE, B L E A V. Remember the spelling. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. I'm not saying that because they pay me. I'm saying that because I believe it, baby. God, this coffee's good. Bet online, where the game starts. And now the podcast starts. Are we good? Oh, good. There you are. I just fi- finished an award-winning read for Believe. Of course, it didn't sound like I was reading because I'm a broadcast professional, JT. It just sounded like I was talking. And Bet Online's a great sponsor here of the JT and Looney podcast, as you know. And considering I'm entering more of that space here in Vegas, not that I ever fought it, but now I feel like I have to because everyone who has a Twitter blue mark or has 200 followers is giving gaming advice. Oh, wow. So I thought I'd use 20 years of experience of watching football and interviewing some of the greatest sports book directors and handicappers. You know, they've been to my home, as you know. Yes. They come to my home. They've been in my backyard. So maybe I should enter the space a little bit more here and start giving my opinions. But, again, I'm not a gambler. I'm not a gambler, and but I respect gambling and I like gambling. So what I'm going to be doing more of is talking to more and more sports handicappers and gamblers, trying to help our audience on different platforms make money because there's a dirty secret. Not a lot of people make money. No, (laughs) it's really hard. Oh, my God. You know, even if you what the problem is and, you know, it's also happened with our friends, Neil Young and Joe Rogan. The problem is once somebody makes a little money, they mix up uh, rich with smart (laughs) and they think, oh, well, I won last week. I know what I'm doing now. Or it happens in golf sometimes, as you know, JT. Oh, I got this now. I had a 73 last night. I can do that again today. And then you go out and you, you hit a 90. Well, you made a great point about comparing gambling to golf. because that's a, I've never heard that before, but it's so good. You can play one good round of golf, <laughs> and if you do, you're guaranteed to play four out of yeah. five <laughs> shitty rounds of golf. It's, it's so cool. And, oh my and God. it's amazing about sports gambling that you're going to win. You're going to bet a game. You're going to be on the right side of the Bengals. You're going to guess the Niners or get it right and maybe even handicap it where – you know, you're going to figure out percentage-wise and yards per carry and edge rushers, and you're going to say, yeah, I like the Niners over Green Bay and get it right. But then you're going to follow it up with another game, and then you're going to mix in a college basketball game. Then you're going to mix in an NBA game at night and where James Harden's going to be pissed off because Kyrie doesn't want to play and Durant's hurt, and you thought you had that game, and then you lose it all. Yes. You've got to be sharp with your bank. Or Lamar Jackson goes down when you pick the Ravens to go to the Super Bowl because you didn't fit, you didn't quantify the injury into the into the equation or any other tangible that could come along. You know, my golf analogy also works with the physical fitness and bodybuilding world, JT, but half the time I swing and miss with the analogy because 
most of the guys at my gym, the one gym I go to, most of the guys are from Guatemala. And in, in, in just in a large sense, we are broadcasting. Immigrants tend not to golf because <laughs> no. they're busy working. So <laughs> golf, you need a lot of free time. And I always make the analogy that, you know, it's, a, it's the, the pursuit of perfection. You never know when you're there. You never know when you had your best round of golf, and you never know when your body looks better than it ever has. But back to the gambling, and we'll get into the championship games and everything that's coming up. It's just really hard to do. So I won't say I had an epiphany moment, but with everybody that I interviewed during the week or we put on the podcast and, you know, the people that I'm trying to get on radio or on podcasts that at least have an opinion on how to win and they're transparent about it. What's happened in Vegas over the last couple of years as these sports book gaming companies are coming here and everybody, everybody is just trying to give out their opinions to be seen and heard. No one's transparent about it. So people will talk about their wins, but not about their losses. They'll tell you a track record over a week instead of a month. So it's confusing to a lot of people. And I have a background as a stockbroker. So when I started as a stockbroker, just go watch the movie Boiler Room or Wolf of Wall Street, all we were doing is cold calling. And it's very similar to what's happening in gambling now. It would be me at 22 years old with no experience in the stock market, not knowing the bond market, not knowing inflation, anything, and cold calling a dry cleaner and saying, can I get Mr. Richards on the phone? And they'd say, hold on, and you'd hear the dry cleaner in the background. And, all the, and he'd get on, and I'd have 10 seconds, 10 seconds to win over the phone call. And I'd say, Mr. Richards, my name is John Blank. I'm calling from this company can I have a moment of your time? If he said yes, let me tell you about a stock I recommended to my clients that is up 35% in the last month just to see if he was interested. And if he was interested, then I'd start the process. It was called prospecting. Then the next call, we'd call him back to qualify him to see if he had any money and he was really interested. And if he was, we'd send him some information, just a little pamphlet. And the third call was to close. And it would be, trying to get this gentleman or this lady to give me their money so we could open up an account and start a relationship. Put a fork in that stuff, yes. Right, and that would be pretty much the end of the relationship after that. But the point being, that's what's happening with sports gambling now. You're getting kids who are 22, 28, out of college. A guy works in the city, and he's seeing something. He's clicking on this sports book app, and he's clicking on the other one, and he just wants to feel included. He wants to feel like he's invited to the party and he's got money to lose. And if he loses, he really doesn't care. He wants the adrenaline rush to be in that app with that celebrity and that former football player telling him what's right or wrong. And how often do you think that the successful gamblers win on percentage? Is it 51%? Is it 60%? The ones that actually have, you know, can make their car payments and have a condo in Great Vegas. Question. Yeah. You hear about you hear about gamblers trying to be right, you know, fifty six percent of the time. A break even between fifty four to fifty six percent. If they're doing that, they're really good. And of course there's gonna be someone hot one year that gets sixty percent right. But the majority of them lose or try to break even or just get a little bit over fifty percent. And I've always thought that system was really flawed for a number of reasons. Number one if I'm going to spend eight hours doing research and sitting in a sports book, 
Okay, I want to be better than 54. I know, I know. Because I'm going to spend money on a hot dog and a burger and a Coke or a cocktail. And you start adding all that in and your time. And what I think a lot of sports gamblers forget is that time is money. So if you're going to spend six six or seven hours this upcoming weekend in a sports book betting on games and it's not interfering with your job, your marriage, your kids, that's great. But if you're going to spend six to seven hours of that, how much would you make at your job? working a full day six or seven hours eight hours is a full day right or less you're right so how much do you make and how much are you leaving behind in your job and your income to try to bet on sports so if you're going to do it you should just be good at it and i'm trying to put more and more people on the radio who are who are good at it and how do you know they are great question because they've been doing it a while they have a reputation and they're transparent. So they have either a website or a place where they're booking their bets and they're showing everybody. Bill Krakenberger is a good example. I had him on the radio this week, and uh, Crack wins. And Bill Krakenberger, I call him America's favorite sports gambler because he bets professionally. There's some sports books that don't let him bet because he's too good and he wins too much. Wow. And he has a website, and he posts his picks. Lee Sterling, our longtime friend from Paramount Sports, just another handicapper. He has a website. ParamountSports.com. So what he does is he posts his picks. So after the month, if you buy his picks, these guys are in business. Remember, some are really shady that we've known in the past Uh and go from client to client and churn and burn them. And then there's people that have been in business 20 years with a track record that can tell you, hey, I had a bad month, but if you're with me over six months or a year, here are my picks. So I try to talk to people who are transparent because that's important in this day and age with social media. Wow. You know, I have to... uh... I have to get myself into the world of gambling. I, every time I, I do my live <laughs> bet online read, which uh, isn't really live, it never sounds like I'm reading. I'm tempted, you know, and with, with uh, the JT and Looney podcast, you do get a 50% bonus on your first deposit. So often I've been tempted, but I'm still holding out just like you. I, and unlike you, I do wager when I go to Vegas. I think that's an appropriate, you know, not having the app for me. Or going online is is something I've held out with because I want to have the thrill of going to Vegas, or uh, or going to Tioga when I go back to Elmira. You can bet now at Tioga, which used to be a, a racetrack, and now it's a place to bet on sports. Isn't that great in upstate New York? And so I I look forward to that. But for people who want to do it every day, bet online is a great place to do it. Yeah, you just got to be careful. It's all about managing your money. It's like the stock market. The stock market. This week, as we record this podcast here at the end of January, January 27th, the stock market's been slaughtered, and the stock market for some was up 20 25% last year. So if you look at it over a year, stock market did great things last year, even with the change of the president. And a lot of people getting into conservative investments because they thought from Biden, coming from Trump, this market wouldn't be good. People have different philosophies, but January's been kind of brutal for a number of reasons, inflation mostly, and things in the economy. And it's gambling. It's gambling. And the key is, when you're gambling in the stock market, you know how much you can lose because you're thinking of your 401k and your retirement. You know you're going to need to survive with that money in years to come. You're going to need it. So if you're getting your ass kicked, you pull out. If you're aggressive enough to get in, you're thinking about your future. In sports gambling, as Crack told me, Bill Krakenberger, the other night, and it really stayed with me. He says, when you look at your balance in these apps, no one really takes their money out. 
You know, you don't go to the you go to the ATM to take your money out. Right. Sports gambling, it's the opposite. You go to the ATM to put money in, <laughs> fund your account so you can gamble. Right. And then he was telling me a story about when the when your money gets down. Say you're down to your last hundred bucks. You started with a thousand, and you're back east and you're living in Jersey and you got your last hundred bucks and it's just staring at you on your phone, and you you're bored. You're bored. So you look out west and you see the Jazz are playing Phoenix or Portland's playing the Clippers and you go, fuck it. I got 100 bucks. It's not going to make a difference. But if I win, I'm back to 180 or 200 and I can get going again. And because of that boredom and non-discipline, you'll just let that last 100 roll. Uh, he's saying leave it. Leave yeah, it. Just leave it. Or, yep. or bet when you're ready to bet. Bet when you think you have an advantage, when you think you know something more about a certain team. You're the genius that says if you bet against the Jaguars and the Chargers the yes. majority of the time, you'd yes. be living yes. in another loony mansion. That's a way to definitely win 75% of the time. <laughs> Just those two teams alone. You know, there was one time I did some ring announcing at Pachanga Casino uh, in, in Temecula, California, and you know, and Fox Sports gave me, uh, you know, put me up in a room, and it's you know, it's only an hour and a half drive from home, so I took advantage of that anyway, and we all worked till late into the night, the whole crew, because it was also uh, broadcast on the best damn sports show, period. And a great coincidence, I worked for the Goosens that night, oh, but I was, yeah. I was double dipping. I was also, uh, uh, it was the, the fight was on the best damn sports show, period. And uh, I went into the casino after we uh, did the show and I got three sevens on a one-armed bandit and won $500. And it was about 1230 at night. And I went back to my room. I cashed in that $500 and said, okay, good night, everybody. And I took that $500 back to my room. Is that what a Is that what McCracken would have said to do? Bill Krakenberger. Yeah. He <laughs> yes, would yeah. say, he would say, you know, reload the next day. Okay, I, I, I did the right day. thing. Okay, yeah, you would. And and the other ones who were doing it to wrap up this portion of our gambling yes. section here on the podcast, the issue becomes, you know, I like people that gamble for fun because living in Vegas, I see more and more of that all the time. People come here with money to gamble just to give it to the casinos or the sports book. They're not stressing it at all. It's not putting them in a bad mood. They're right. going out and they're getting dressed up to go out to a steak dinner. They're going to a pool party. They want some action on the game. So when they're at dinner and they're waiting for their appetizer, they can talk to their friends. Hey, you know, I'm on this game tonight. You know, I won today on this. I I'm thinking of doing this tomorrow. It's a conversation piece. Imagine sitting at home on your couch in Connecticut in your two-bedroom apartment and your wife comes home from work and you're in your apartment because you don't own a house because you don't have enough money. And you know that you're not going to explain to her the two games you lost earlier today and how you're down two to three hundred dollars that you don't have. This is the issue that it's becoming. Can you gamble for fun and just know that you're going to lose the money or break even or just keep it going just for entertainment? Or do you really want to gamble because you think you're going to have an advantage and win and you're going to make money? And if you do that, you're probably going to go broke. It's hard to do. Yeah, it's it should be something you do for fun. Leave the leave the professional betting to the professionals. Listen to what they say and have fun doing it. It's supposed to be fun. You're not supposed to be under a bridge. All week long, I spoke about Aaron Rodgers and the fact that he got beat by Jimmy Garoppolo. So here's what we know to be true. 
And Colin Kaepernick back in the day. Yeah, here's what we know to be true. Number one, we know that he's not vaccinated. And by not being vaccinated, he put his team at risk, and he wasn't available for a game this year. Oh, nothing against Kansas City. Think Kansas City turned out to be good? Uh, They're on the road to the Super Bowl again. Rodgers wasn't available. Rodgers was a pain in the ass last offseason doing his yoga cleanse with his newest of his Hollywood girlfriends that he all ends up breaking up with eventually. Then he goes into the season and plays at an MVP level. It's a great debate, Brady or Rodgers. Remember, Rodgers missed a game. Just on missing one game that Tom Brady didn't miss, I'd give it to Brady. But let's assume Aaron Rodgers wins the MVP award. He can't beat Jimmy Garoppolo, Tom. This is no longer a trend. This is a fact. He can't beat San Francisco. He can't beat Jimmy Garoppolo in the playoffs. What's the use of bringing him back? Well, those four. Oh, I, well, you got to bring him back because there's nobody better. Why? Because if he's going to be a pain in the ass and he can't beat Jimmy Garoppolo, are you saying just to bring him back so they can fly an NFC North banner or put another ne- NFC North chip into the Packers Hall of Fame? If he can't beat Jimmy Garoppolo and now you know it, you, you just want to roll that back again? Well, yeah, you have to roll it back again because you don't have better. You can't, and as an organization, you have you can't you know you you can't have that city hate you uh, because they adore you. He's going to turn his back on them, so let him make the first move. You know that he's not coming back there. He breaks up with people. He broke up with his family years ago. Doesn't talk to them. Uh, breaks up with his new fiance over and over again. He he's. It's, it's strange for a quarterback. You know, you have to be absolutely arrogant to think you can be a Division One college quarterback. Absolutely arrogant to think you can do it in the NFL. It's Arrogance is beautiful. Every quarterback in the NFL is arrogant. It's not necessarily a pejorative. It's what you need from your quarterback. Uh, but they also need to be a leader uh, of all the people on the football team that probably should be vaccinated, should be the quarterback. You know, tight ends might be different. But a quarterback, well, a tight end with Tom Brady, they need to be vaccinated because that's all he throws to. But you, uh, but with, I can't believe you put me on the position of, of sticking up for Aaron Rodgers. You can't let Aaron Rodgers go, but because uh, you, you can't bring in a, a quarterback better than Aaron Rodgers. The well, flip side of that is, look who was amazing. The greatest weekend ever in NFL playoffs, and one quarterback sucked. And that was Aaron Rodgers. He's got to live with that in the mirror. You nailed that. He was the only quarterback that didn't play well, didn't play aggressive, didn't want to attack, uh, didn't want to run. That was another thing I want to bring up quickly because Josh Allen, a couple of times in the game in the Buffalo oh, lost. Yeah. There were times he took off and ran. And guys were open all game. He was having a great passing game, but he had to run. He knew the only way. He never looks like he's going to get more than four yards, and he always gets 40. Right. He totally ends up running. There were several times in that Packer game where Aaron Rodgers, there was a hard pass rush coming. He could have took off and run, and he had no intention of doing it. So there was the will. It's like he was in a COVID fog. What was wrong with him? Like it was in a COVID fog. He just said, I'm going to stay in the pocket. I'm going to check down, or I'm just going to look at Devontae Adams and no one else. When he could have ran in the snow and really had the Niners on their heels because it was snowing, and they don't have their footing, and he wouldn't even do that. But for Rodgers, the news today, the breaking news today, is the Broncos have hired Nathaniel Hackett from the Green Bay Packers, who was Aaron Rodgers' coach, offensive coordinator slash quarterback guru there, which is opening up speculation that it's the perfect move. Denver wants Aaron Rodgers. 
Aaron Rodgers' fiance loves Colorado. She's got a place in Boulder. He could go there because it worked for Peyton. John Elway's still involved, not at the level he was. He's one of the all-time greats. But the problem is if he goes to the AFC West, he's got to compete with Derek Carr, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert. If he stays in the NFC North, as you're suggesting, or try to keep him there, he's got to beat Detroit, Chicago in a rebuild, and the Vikings, who everybody beat. Well, yeah, it's it's almost the equivalent of being in the AFC East back in the Tom Brady days before the Buffalo Bills got good, and it was a tiptoe through the tulips. Uh, there's one tough tulip <laughs> in his division right now, and that's the Minnesota Vikings with Kirk Cousins, another guy who might may or may not show up for the game because of COVID protocol. And, and he can't win big games either, although this year – he won games that weren't at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, so that was impressive in their garbage year there in Minnesota. But he definitely would it would behoove him to stay in Green Bay. He has goodwill there, and he doesn't have a lot of goodwill with anyone other than the producers at Jeopardy and the people of Green Bay, and that's about it. And uh, you might want to check that with this fiance liking Denver. His next fiance may like Denver. I think he's done with this fiance. I think he argued, had a big argument and breakup over Christmas. Hard to keep track of the falling outs in in Aaron Rodgers' life. And that's something to keep. You know, that's something to keep your eye on. Mixing up rich with smart. When everyone wants to hear what you have to say, it happens to people all the time. You've heard me made the analogy over the years with Sting and do, 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 da, 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 da. And the police were so successful when they were just writing songs and poor. And then he became rich. I know you saw his show. He's amazing, isn't he, in, in concert? But uh, the music wasn't as good after he mixed up rich with smart. He started singing about peace in Wales. And it happens all the time. And that's what ha- has happened to Aaron Rodgers. And you start to mix that up when people want to hear what you have to say. But you're a, you're a football player. You're a jock. You are not Dr. Fauci. Well, what he said, and we spoke a lot about COVID on this podcast over the last two years, is there are people that get in touch with me via social media or say, you know, uh, I like it. I like that you're taking it seriously. Or other people would say, you know, you have differing views on it or this or that about politics. But when Aaron Rodgers decided to go down to Joe Rogan Road, what he did is he alienated the majority of the country because the majority of the country's vaccinated. The majority of the country doesn't know Joe Rogan. The majority of the country trusts their doctor or scientist or smart people. So they decided, hey, you know, this thing could be pretty serious. I'm going to get vaccinated just so I would have added immunity in case I get it. I don't want to die. And Aaron Rodgers told everybody that he doesn't agree with that, period. I mean, he has his own philosophy, but he doesn't agree with the vaccine. So once he did that, it was one of the newer great examples of an athlete alienating people because the amount of the the hundreds of millions who have gotten vaccinated mean that the majority of those people disagree with him. So he just alienated a lot of people, and I thought it mixed into football. He was very kind with this time on the Pat McAfee show and other platforms. He speaks a lot, but you can't tell me that made him a better football player, spending all this time talking about not being vaccinated. It's so easy not to talk about. You know, if, if, there's, right. if the majority believes something that you don't believe and you're a public person, uh, you don't have to talk about it. There's, you, don't, you don't have to follow it. You don't have to talk about it uh, uh, into microphones. And in, if you're a leader of a team, you have to keep that in mind. You don't want to be the quarterback should never be a distraction. The quarterback is the master cylinder 
of that offensive machine and cannot be wacky. And he somehow, after all these years, uh, it, it maybe maybe we didn't know him over all these years. But one thing that my doctor has never said to me, I have a good relationship with my doctor. He's got a lot of older, very quiet Europeans, and then he's got me. <laughs> he's got like a lot of Eastern Europeans in that office, and they don't smile, and they have obesity issues. And then he's got me, who really wants to take care of my health. And, and he likes me because I'm like Aaron Rodgers. I think I'm smart. And one thing my doctor has never said to me is, I just got off the phone with Aaron Rodgers. You know, my, doc, my doctor has never said that to me, thank God. So the most important thing you can get out of all of this is listen to your doctor, not necessarily even Fauci. Just what's your doctor say about this? Look, Joe Montana, when he played, wasn't dealing with a global pandemic. Right? It was the Spanish flu, and then it was COVID 100 <laughs> right. years apart. Yeah. Joe Montana didn't have to deal with it, but Joe, Joe got after it and had fun. Right, with the Niners, and there's some yep. great stories about them. No one knew anything about Joe. Nobody. You're right, yeah. Joe didn't do anything. He did the, the minimum amount of interviews. Back then, you didn't have all the networks doing football. You didn't have cable sports at the highest level. It was the birth of ESPN. He was there for that. And really? But, that, and really adroit with his interviews. Always really vanilla, and maybe that's his natural personality. But really smart with never dipping his toe in anything too controversial with interviews. And what's wrong with that? Look, I don't have to win Aaron Rodgers over unless he becomes the quarterback of the Raiders. <laughs> you know, the elephant in the room. But, but I will tell you, I think he can change everything by being very humble. I talked about it with former Packer executive Andrew Brandt, who was a part of the draft process with him, and he's a sharp guy, and he's a professor at Villanova, and he teaches. And I said, it'd just be nice if he was humble. Last year, he took up all the oxygen in the room. He was all of the drama in the NFL, the offseason, would he come back? And then he, then he came back, and they got destroyed in the first week. People wondered if it was the beginning of the end, and he played like an MVP. And then the whole COVID issue happened, immunized instead of vaccinated. People thought he lied to the media. That's open for debate. But now if he wants to come back to the Packers, how hard would it be for him to call the press conference and say, I'm absolutely coming back. I love it here. I'm sorry if some of you think I'm a distraction. Please let me tell you I can't wait to come back again. He won't do it. And if he was humble enough, he could do it, and everything would be perfect again. He'd have all his fans back. Yeah, and he wasn't. He was humble enough. He wasn't humble enough to blame the loss entirely on him. He blamed it on some voodoo boogaloo energy that we were all cheering against him. That's number one. Uh, number two is he's not going back. I have been able to read Aaron Rodgers like I was always able to read Floyd Mayweather. And usually it was, with Floyd, the opposite of whatever he said. Uh, he was the perfect example of the lame cliche, he's only lying when his lips are moving. Mm -hmm. Except I couldn't think of a better one because it was just perfect for Flo with Floyd Mayweather. And I can also see it there's certain people I can read. Aaron Rodgers isn't going back. To Green Bay, he almost didn't go back this year to the Green Bay Packers. He came this close. You can't see my fingers, but he came this close to not returning to the Green Bay Packers. So he's not going back. He's not going back next year, which will be this year. He's not going back. I agree because he played all his cards last year. Yep, he played all his cards last year. But I will say it again: he couldn't beat Jimmy Garoppolo in his building. So I don't think a lot of people care. I mean, a typical Packer fan who doesn't sit in the suite sits out in the cold, and we've been there. We sat in the suite, but yeah. we tailgated <laughs> in the cold. We know how difficult it is to be a fan and get through a game. 
I think the average fan there saying, yeah, I'd love to have him back, but if he doesn't come back, I'm good. We can't beat the 49ers. We can't beat Jimmy Garoppolo. Let's start the new process here. We'll see how it plays out, but I, like you, agree he will not be back. And it's also, you know, this is the Tom Brady influence. I think Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers saw what Tom Brady did, the great attention that you get, and as we've come to realize, uh, Aaron Rodgers is enjoying attention. Uh, more than we realized, and he, they, they see that Tom Brady went to. You got to pick the right team if you want to go to another team, and just tiptoe your way into a Super Bowl championship. You better pick the right team, Aaron and Russell. And it, 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 you know, a lot of people are saying Denver's the right team for Aaron Rodgers, so that wouldn't surprise me. Well, a lot of people think that New Orleans is the right spot for Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson, but Sean Payton decided yeah. to step oh, yeah. away. Yeah. And once he stepped away, everybody said, whoa. And I have a theory behind that, too. My theory simple that in order to leave, he, he's, the, he's the property of New Orleans. If you want Sean Payton, you have to trade for him. The way that the Buccaneers traded with the Raiders for John mm-hmm. Gruden, two first-round picks, you'd have to give up something. And I, I believe that Sean Payton saw no exit strategy to get out of New Orleans. They are heavily over the cap for next year. Michael Thomas, their best receiver, can't play. He's hurt. Drew Brees retired. Taysom Hill is a flawed player. They're not going to be as good as they've been in the past. So by him stepping away, it resets. So Jerry Jones and whatever other coach out there wants to make the upgrade, they know that he wants out. That was his way of saying, look over here. I'm claiming I'm quitting for TV, but I'm really getting out so you can make a formal trade to come get me. So don't be surprised if he's coaching this upcoming year. The, the lead candidate would be Dallas because of the Parcells-Jerry Jones connection. Do you think that's where he'll go, Dallas? Do you think that's what's, in, that's yeah, what's going on? Yeah, I do. I do. I think that Mike McCarthy, who we like for what he did for us in Green Bay with Andrew right. Ashwood, we like Mike McCarthy. I think he's run out of time there now. They're, they're just not good with the clock. They're not good with down and distance. They're just not smart with a lot of football-related game-day decisions that they make. And yeah, that may be the back. argument with how, how valuable Aaron Rodgers is, is he's, he was able to win in Green Bay despite Mike McCarthy. That could be an argument in Aaron, you know, in Aaron Rodgers' favor if you were uh, his agent you know, and you were talking to teams that might have that bring up the well-but, well-but when it comes to pay. And it, it, you could point, point that out. Mike McCarthy... Uh, just a, our little side note to each other there, but for those who don't know, Mike, McC- we had a friend who was dying of cancer who was a Green Bay Packer fan, and we took him back for a game in 2007. God, Brett Favre was playing great that year. It was a Raider game, Raiders-Packers, and the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field, and it was frozen. And our friend was uh, stage four pancreatic cancer, and we had a party for him. Uh, and Mike McCarthy came to the party to surprise our friend. Yeah, he showed up, and Jay Glazer made it happen, and Jay Glazer has a new book out, Everyone Should Get Unbreakable, which is out this week as he talks about mental health. Uh, Not a plug, we're friends with Jay, so we want to get that in here. But Jay was able to make the call and get Mike McCarthy to come the night before the game, where coaches are not allowed away from their team, the night before the game. And he came and spent a couple of hours with us, taking pictures, hanging out, as everybody was telling stories about Andrew, who eventually was going to die from cancer. But that's the happiest I ever saw him in the fight. 
as he was fighting for his life because Mike McCarthy, <laughs> the coach up. of the Green Bay Packers, showed up for his party. Yeah, in, in, in this little crow's nest, this upstairs room. Right. You wouldn't be it allowed. It was not glamorous. COVID. You wouldn't be allowed during COVID. Oh, no way. <laughs> We're all on top of each other. McCarthy came in. So whenever people are ripping him, and I get a chance to talk over a microphone. I said, no, 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 don't rip on that guy. That guy's a good guy. That guy did us a solid, and I'll never forget that. But as a coach, I think his time's going to come to an end eventually in Dallas and Sean Payton. That's the fit that Jerry Jones wants. And anybody else would be smart to trade for him. Anybody else who says, man, I can change our whole organization. I, I talked to a current coach in the league who told me Payton's the one guy you can bring in. And he'll fix everything. He'll fix the quarterback. He'll fix the front office. He'll fix football operations. He'll coach both sides of the ball. He'll have everybody on the same page. So that's a big developing story this week. That's a dream coach to get. I hope the Raiders get him. That's a dream coach to get. You wonder where he wants to coach. And my guess is he's got Dallas roots. Did he ever coach with the Raiders at all? He has not, but he's, okay. he's bounced around in the giant connection in Parcells. He's a big Parcells guy, so we'll see where he goes. Let's get hey, some. Do you think? Do you think Bill Belichick could possibly leave New England and end up running the New York Giants? No, I don't think that'll happen with Belichick. I still think Belichick did a nice job building a roster. How would you like to be Belichick and Saban every off season? Everybody comes and takes your coaches. Every year. Oh, yeah, that's take sucks. your assistant GM. Why can't people hang on to their coaches? You know, it's a lot. When, once you found your niche, I, and, dude, why don't these assistants, I also want to blame the assistant coaches or the offensive coordinators, the defensive coordinators, and I know they're all incredibly, and I'm a goal-driven guy, and I'm a goal visualization guy, but don't you have wife and children? You've already moved six times in the past ten years. You want to move seven? Don't you have somebody in eighth grade? You're going to ruin his life. Don't they ever think of that? Oh, man. Coaches are grinders, and their wives, their wives and partners deserve all the, oh, yeah. all the accolades because they're told every year, you know, you're going to get a two- or three-year deal. We're going to lose our job. We're probably not going to be around here. And not, not all of them, but a lot of them. And then they turn to the wife, and the coach says, hey, I got to leave. I got to get to that city for the combine. I got to go to Indy for the combine. I got to go to the senior bowl. I got to go see pro days of these quarterbacks. You pack up the house with the kids and get to the next city and get us settled as I go do this. That's why coaches make good money because their lives are really difficult. I used to work with coach Jim Mora, Jim Mora senior, the former coach of the, of the new Orleans saints and the Indianapolis Colts, and such a great guy. And that's, you know, coaches, your job is to get people younger than you to love you. And, and everybody loved him at the radio station, and everybody was much younger. He just looks younger than he is, born in the 30s. Uh, he, one time, he came on as a guest with you and I long after I had worked with him, and we've been email buddies over the years. And from when we worked together, we used to work together on the weekends. And he, I said, uh, Connie, you know, Connie Mora's husband is joining us, Coach Jim Mora, and he emailed me. He said, I am, no one's ever done that, he said. He said, my wife, Connie, did all the work when it came to, came to raising our children. I was a, was a professional football coach, moving from city to city and working 18 hours a day. And she raised our children uh, pretty much without me. And I was so happy that you mentioned my wife's name. And 
so that just fits into what you're saying. These coaches' wives, you gotta you gotta marry the right wife when you're a professional football coach. We're gonna have a new Supreme Court justice due to retirement. It's like getting a new pope every year. You know, yes. the pope, you know, when you see the white right. plume of smoke, you know, you might it might be twenty years in between popes. Might be twenty five. It might but be it's, it's, that's a perfect analogy because usually they die. Usually they don't even sure. step down. Usually they die on the but bench. When it becomes a Supreme Court justice. Everybody gets wigged out. I've always said this, elections have consequences. Who's ever the president, if they get to nominate one or two or three, uh, Trump right at the finish line, right. uh, got a couple in, and uh, Joe Biden will get an opportunity here. It seems like it's going to be the first African-American woman to be on the Supreme Court bench because he went all in on that. He said yep. it during the campaign. It's a hell of a promise when you're campaigning and you're not the president. And as a politician, president. right, who says he's got to f- fulfill the promise, JT? He's a politician. Oh, he's going to fulfill the promise. <laughs> I he, know he is. Believe me, Joe Biden, he, need, he needs to start fulfilling some promises, so he will there. And uh, that's a big topic here because our country is going crazy. Our country is giving each other fits. Uh, we are still politically divided. Yeah. Uh, transition of power with the president didn't do anything to make it worse or better. Some will say it's worse. Others say it's better. But oh, yeah, it depends on what the team they're on. Yeah, you're right. Hey, you know, one thing about the Supreme Court justice where people get – this is one thing, too. This is uh, – you know, leave it to the scholars to talk about uh, – you know, you, you don't care about the Supreme Court justice. Stop pretending. I'm not talking to you. But uh, once people become Supreme Court justices – it seems to me over the course of history, but let's just include our lifetime because that's when people pay attention to politics. They don't care about history. Most people, um, they just try to do the right thing. And the people appointed by conservatives over the years always upset conservatives because they just try to do the right thing. And they're no longer, especially in a lifetime appointment, they're no longer beholden to you who appointed me. And so conservative justices disappoint conservatives and liberal justices disappoint liberals because they just try to do what's right and go by the law and the Constitution. So no matter who he nominates, that person will at times disappoint those who cheered because the the Supreme Court justices, as a lot of justices around the country, just try to do the right thing. And people always try to point out, oh, well, but but wait, he was appointed by a conservative. But wait, he was appointed by a liberal. Yeah, because the, the justice might surprise you because they're just trying to do the right thing. As I've always said, I believe Supreme Court justices, doctors, many lawyers, scientists, they're a lot smarter than me. So when they're in charge and they get appointed, I don't argue it because they're a lot smarter than I am. Now, when people in radio get better jobs than me. It drives me crazy and you have to walk me off a ledge because they don't, they don't deserve it. They don't deserve it and I deserve it because I'm much more talented and better than them, I believe. But you won't hear that argument when it comes to me with a scientist, a mathematician, or a Supreme Court justice. They're all much smarter than me, so I'll defer to their judgment. And there is this unfortunate argument now uh, or cliche that goes on in society that I have sometimes with friends who think differently politically and they say he's so smart he's dumb he's so educated that he's become dumb and there's that somehow become a popular mantra that education and smarts aren't good because then you can no longer relate to the common man no educated and smart people are common 
Uh, they are also they, they come from a mom and a dad. They're not from outer space. They're, you know, they're, they are fellow Americans and we should listen and revere those who who are you know our founding fathers were great thinkers and philosophers they they studied philosophy and studied and we're just we put a lot but benjamin franklin was incredible an incredible autodidactic man and he had time to study you know why benjamin franklin had time to study jt and study philosophy and electronics and engineering and uh, political philosophy because his dad had the market cornered on candles. His dad owned the world's largest candle factory. So Benjamin Franklin never had to work a day in his life. He could just, but what did he do? He, he, he wasn't a spoiled brat. He just studied, 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 studied. And I think what happens is sometimes people haven't taken advantage of their free education because they were messing around in high school. They didn't take advantage of really cheap community colleges in America like they could have and some incredibly affordable universities in America. And then they get to be 30, 40 and 50 and start to pay attention to politics and then start to knock those who got an education when they're really envious that they didn't take advantage of all the opportunities they had to open a book when they were younger. Well, a lot of what you said is is a topic for a future podcast when you talk about community college or valued education, because that's a big topic in my home now, is I have two sons that I'm paying out-of-state tuition. Yeah. uh, An enormous amount of money, which I'm comfortable with. That was always the plan, put away for kids for school and all that, and I'm living that. But I have no idea about their education. I'm taking their word for it. And it's <laughs> okay, okay. We're at that stage where I'm now asking for grades. I want screenshots. I want more conversations on this because they're living their best life. That's why they're away out of state at college. They're living their best life. They're going to fraternity parties and games and they're meeting girls and they're having fun. But it's not about an education. It will be long term when they get their degrees. And I'm sure they're learning a lot. But I am in the dark on this. I need to get back in and take control. This is a wife topic. Wife is there. I earn the money. Yeah, your wife's a teacher. She must be paying attention, right? She's got a master's degree in education. (laughs) I just believe, Tom, it's time that I understand the worth of this education. Because right now, I can't put those two together. I know for a fact that the bars and the fun are having a lot more fun with my money <laughs> than the professors in the library. I'm going through that stage, and I hope to be out of it in the next couple of months. Wow. Okay. That's, that's a nerve-wracking time for you. It's a, you know, it, it, Of course, if you're spending a lot of money for your kids on college, you, might, you, know, you, you hope they study something valuable, but times change. And you know, you never know what your valuable degree might be. I have a friend who had an art degree. And I go, oh my God, what's he going to do with an art degree? And then what happened with him is he got a job at the Getty Center in Southern California. I know. And I said, well, that's good. But he wasn't making that much money at the Getty Center. But then when all the Black Lives Matter and all that started to happen, the Getty Center said, oh my God, you know, we've never really done anything with minority artists. Who should be in charge of this? And my friend is the son of immigrants from El Salvador. And they said, oh, we got a guy right here. So all of a sudden, he's making Getty money at the Getty. When he, you know, he's living with his parents a, a couple of years ago. And because he actually ended up studying the right thing. So you can. So it's a tough thing. It's a, it's a roll of the dice, whether or not 
you're going to study. And, and, and now nobody does what they do until they're 65 and retire. So your your degree might work for you for a while. Just get a broad based degree. That's what I say. Study lots of things in college and then it'll help you, especially learn how now nowadays read, write, reading and writing and thinking, reading and writing and thinking. If you leave college and you know how to read, write and think, then uh, then you've got your money's worth. Thanks for downloading the JT and Looney podcast. Please share it on all your social media devices. Let people know about what we talk about for 40 to 45 minutes a week. Share it. Help us grow this platform so we can do more new and exciting things. Thank you, Tom. See you, JT. Wow. Once again... You win the Michael Ryan Award. Thank you for listening to all 44 minutes and 14 seconds of the JT and Looney podcast powered by Bet Online, where the game starts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.